0: Why'd you come along? I'm not quite sure. Keep an eye on the bank's money in case we get it back? Well, yes. Plus a small difference of opinion with Larson. Gonna stick it out? Yes, I think I will. All right. If you want to kill yourself, that's your business, but I don't want you slowing me down. Get over behind that rock and take your pants down. If you're gonna keep up, you'll need some medication. This suit will never be the same again. Never mind about that suit. Just get a good hold on that rock. (laughs) Oh. Now, rub that in. At least it'll disinfect you. One thing. Right now, I won't particularly care if I get shot.
1: The following film podcast frequently contains adult content, including foul language and descriptions of adult situations. Spoilers for the films discussed occur often. Listener discretion is advised. Now take it away, Dr. Rausch.
0: (laughs) They must be destroyed on sight!
1: All right, welcome. It is They Must Be Destroyed On site. episode 160. I'm your host, Lee. Not Oda Hayton, but Oda liking Russell. And I'm joined by my co-host, Daniel. It's a bad risk to hang around here for the sake of a half-dead girl, Harper. How you doing, sir?
2: <laughs> really what you need are the fully dead girls. Uh, zombie girls really do have the best, uh, it's really this the best experience overall, you know.
1: Where, where, where's Paul or court psyops when you need him right now? Cause like yeah. we're talking necrophilia and that's just yeah. like right up their alleys. <laughs> uh, but we're going to be checking out uh, yet again, another Western on our little series of Westerns we're doing here. And uh, this is going to be a suggestion from uh, our listener, Jeff Williams. So thank you for making a suggestion by the way, Jeff, because we were originally gonna do uh, Shanghai Joe, but Paul couldn't make it this weekend, so we had to put that off for a week. So uh, we had a suggestion here that we could uh, re- immediately jump on and do. So it was pretty cool. I like,
2: and that. that's the thing we really like is things we can immediately jump on and do.
1: Yeah, so, <laughs> take that any way you want. That's
2: the thing we enjoy. Yeah, uh, consensually, the film, the film definitely consented to us doing that. It
1: was. Yeah, you know. I mean. <laughs> It was old. It had no. It choice. was
2: it was wide open for us. You
1: know, so. uh, we put it up against the rocks and told it to take its pants down,
2: <laughs> but but not in the creepy way.
1: <laughs> no, we applied some uh, very stingy. Uh, saddle oil or whatever the fuck it was he applied to i was just assuming it was whiskey honestly you maybe like, maybe it was whiskey any, or moonshine any, or any,
2: any any like liquid in a bottle like that i assume is whiskey and i don't know it's just <laughs> you know, or moonshine whatever anyway
1: yeah so we're gonna be looking at posse from hell i'm not gonna make the same joke i made last week about pussy from hell uh, we're we're just not gonna. We're not gonna go there. I we've mean,
2: too... we, we've already gone deep. We've already gone darker and more disgusting than that. So
1: like it, it mm. would just be. It would be a bad move for us. It would time. be beneath us at this yeah. point. We're we're so mature. well not
2: beneath us, but but it would be a step further towards uh, normalcy, and we need to go f- deeper towards awfulness if we're going to keep going in this direction. So
1: I agree. Yes. So we do have two comments here. Briefly, we want to get to so the first one is actually a iTunes uh, review yet again people <laughs> one star <laughs> no no this is good uh, listen okay. p- but people if you're gonna if you're listening to this podcast and you want to give us an iTunes Apple podcast review, tell us you've done it because when I just randomly go on there every like a couple months to check. These, this shit out your stuff might not get read so you know fucking let us know so this is from someone called ct mingus fan and they said iron eagle and the review is <laughs> five stars found this podcast because i'm obsessed with iron eagle series okay uh okay, <laughs> so you so, okay yeah, I mean uh, they liked Lewis Gossett Jr. doing the butt dance, I guess. Uh, apparently, know. apparently. Yeah, uh, these guys are funny and original, good stuff. So, this, so there you go. Thank you very much. Five stars yeah. for that. And, and I assume if they listened to any further episodes, it was all downhill from there for them. But. Yeah,
2: I mean that's really that was really our peak. I think. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you we
1: know, Louis Gossett Jr. butt dancing. That's 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 all we have. You know, we have Gary Hale. Thank for for, that, for bringing for us to our yeah. our absolute peak, and then yeah. ever since then it's been downhill. But uh, you know, we, uh, hopefully someday, reviewer, we might get back to jet planes and stupid patriotism. And uh, this I have crap. a feeling
2: we're going to get to that in about an hour, actually. But uh, we can. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's for a different podcast, Daniel.
2: Spoiler alert.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the other comment we have is from Jeff Williams, who gives his recommendation of the week. And this time he recommends The Black Cat from 1934 because you all need some in- more incest, necrophilia, torture, genocide, and Satanism on the show. And I agree. Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff are in those film that film, and it's based very loosely based on the edgar Allan poe story so <laughs> sure yeah uh, more,
2: more films from the 30s we need to do more 30s films i think mm-hmm. I, I would agree
1: yeah with that. so thank you very much jeff you've been a great contributor to uh, this show so uh yeah keep it coming all right so uh we'll go to uh, what we've watched in the last little while daniel has nothing uh i'll just I, mention... I, I, I don't
2: watch things it's a you know i, I don't like
1: movies. <laughs> <news>. it's yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean the amount of pressure we have to put on Daniel even to watch films for the podcast is immense. And uh, I mean, there is blackmail involved. It's just money. Like Lee pays me for this. This is, this is the thing, you know, Mm
2: -hmm. I get, I get a set fee per episode and, and like a 90 supermodel, I don't get out of bed for
1: $5,000.
2: Thankfully, (laughs) most of these films I can watch while in bed. So, you know, it's fine.
1: Yeah. Oh, if I had nine thousand dollars to throw around, that would be that'd be nice. So uh <laughs> per
2: episode at that, you know, yeah, I mean, you know.
1: Yeah. So the two movies I watched, first one I'll mention is The Headhunter from twenty eighteen. I will say that First off, this is a really excellent achievement for a $30,000 indie film because it looks visually akin to just about anything that you'll see on the big screen these days. It it looks really good. This is a, sort of surrounding a uh, medieval knight who is basically a monster hunter. He's apparently a, a part of a, like a group of monster hunters, uh, but this is his story. His daughter's killed, and basically it, it sort of involves him... Getting the opportunity to take revenge on the monster that killed his daughter, and he's got this whole collection of rotting heads of the monsters he's chopped off. It's a character study, though. It's not a movie I'd recommend necessarily, but I, I do want to applaud it for being like visually really good and like the fact that they made this with thirty thousand dollars is fucking amazing. But it's just so boring. Like, and, and it's it's only like seventy minutes or something like that. But even then, it feels a little too long. Like, this feels like a short film that was expanded far too long for its own good. You don't see necessarily too much action. Like, it does pick up at the end when he has the confrontation with the actual monster he's trying to take revenge on. But other than that, most of it is. And I don't know if you're familiar with the video games, uh, The Witcher. Uh, Vaguely, yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of like that video game, except it's like the fetch quests in that game, without any actual (laughs) like monster fights or whatever. Like fetch fetch,
2: fetch quests. Everybody's favorite part of a video game, yeah. without the interactivity. That's the uh, you know that, that's yeah what
1: you, you you don't see any of the like the fights until you get to the end with with sort of the fight, the finale of it. Like everything else is just here's the after, aftermath of a fight where this monster hunter comes back to his his sort of home base and he's like chopped up from fighting a monster or whatever. And it's somewhat effective, but there's a lot more that could have been done with this and. There's a lot more that could have been done with this in like a thirty-minute film instead of like a seventy-minute. Like it's it's just right. too long. But again, I I want to say if you're gonna check this out visually, it's great. It it really is great. And cool. So the
2: so so many so many kind of uh, first films, particularly low-budget films, kind of run into that. You know, music video director. You know, kind of person who directs commercials, whatever. Like visually talented. Uh, kind of a shitty script and kind of doesn't know how to build large scale narrative and uh, you know that's kind of it sounds like that's kind of what's going on here Like, uh,
1: yeah the, the people who did this they did something else that was I can't remember what the fuck it was I should have wrote this in my notes uh, and I apologize for that but they sort of went on to do this and it, it just doesn't work it doesn't work it right. and, and, and need to be shorter the other one I'll mention uh, Lucy from 2014 this is the uh, Scarlett uh, Johansson oh, yeah. Luke Besson directed uh, film uh, just checked this out on Netflix, and I liked it quite a bit. I was entertained by it. I don't think it sort of, you know, cuts the mustard as as, as far as like being deep or all that interesting.
2: <laughs> it's Luc Besson. I mean, you know, it's it's a particular aesthetic sense. It's it's a thing.
1: Yeah, no, but it's basically Luc Besson doing his thing with sci fi trappings. It's kind of that, and. I mean, at this point, Scarlett Johansson was known for doing the Avengers films, mm-hmm. so it's got that sort of superheroy comic book aesthetic to it, where the origin, like, like what happens to her in this film could have been the origin story for a superhero or a supervillain like it's it's kind of what that that is and the biggest downfall for this is like it tries to do too much in in one film like and it's not that long Morgan Freeman's there he's good you know he's basically just lending credibility to the film as I'm Morgan Freeman and I'm going to talk about science kind of like Thing, you know, like, and it's fine. Like you are
2: fulfilling of, your potential. I played yeah. God in another movie.
1: Like, there's a lot of fun ideas here. The first half of the film almost feels like a fucking uh, nature documentary for a while because, mm-hmm. like, Morgan Freeman's talking about here's. How we evolved, and, and here's what we do, and all this shit, and it's talking about uh, using more of your brain power, like the the whole idea we only use like ten percent of our brains, and here here's what might yeah, happen we, if we came could out use our, forty.
2: This came out around the time that we did uh the, the Limitless came out, which you know it, it mm-hmm. does feel like kind of the same you know general idea,
1: uh, but at its heart it's a fun action movie i i I really like that scarlett johansson does all kinds of weird shit like she'll do like big blockbusters uh she'll do like standard like indie dramas and stuff like that and then she'll do like weirdo sci-fi films just for the fuck of it you know like she'll do art house shit Mm -hmm. and stuff like that and she's perfectly fine in this you know uh
2: i i really like scarlett johansson i think mm -hmm. she's you know i mean she makes some some questionable decisions shall we say you yeah know, in terms of you know some some of the, some of the things that she decides to do but like is a is it like a big bankable hollywood star who will do like weird sci fi films like yeah i got no problem with that you know
1: it's, yeah it's no i i like i like some of the decisions she makes and i like her in this and we should I think do it, ghost
2: world sometime i think that's a film that we should really we should
1: of, yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she's, she's really good in this. She, she carries it very well. I wish there was more of a cohesive story going on here. Like there's just too many things going on, which is unfortunate. But
2: I did rewatch something and I, you know, I literally forgot about it until you mentioned, <laughs> it. uh, because it's one of those, like it showed up on Netflix and I went, Oh, I've seen this movie a million times. Click, you know? Uh, <laughs> and I rewatched the fifth element. Um, mm. I, I you know I I love that movie. It's such like that kind of perfect little burst of Luke Besson happiness. You know? it's um, like
1: the the fun Blade Runner. Like, yeah,
2: no, it's 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 Blade Runner, but good. You know,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. Well, also the the new the uh, the latest Blade Runner is also Blade Runner, but good.
2: Right? Yeah. No. <laughs> exactly. Oh, we're gonna get
1: letters. <laughs> I, don't um, a, I don't give. I don't give fuck. Fight me, motherfucker. The yeah, original no. Blade Runner. I love that film. But it's not good.
2: I've done. I've done. I've done a. I've done a commentary with Jack Graham on that. You can put it in the show notes. People can listen to Jack and. Yeah, I. we'll do that. We'll, we'll do. That. That. We'll link yeah. it. Um, but no, anyway, yeah, no, uh, Luke Besson is someone that like, it's definitely a, it's an acquired aesthetic sensibility. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. this is, you know, Luke Besson is someone like Michael Bay, who kind of like never grew past being 13 years old in <laughs> of his aesthetic sense, but without the sense that there are, you know, like dried up tissues, like filled with like rage semen around him the entire time, you know? Uh, like he he likes his pretty girls in skimpy clothes kicking ass, but not in a toxic way, and that's kind of awesome. Um, yeah. So you know, yeah, no, I I I should definitely like get on that. If it's on Netflix, I don't know if it's on Netflix in the US. It I'll is. probably like click it on it.
1: It should be, yeah. I assume. Yeah, but no, yeah, I just yeah. saw
2: the Fifth Element and went like, I gotta I gotta watch this, and like, I've that's a film I've seen. 100 times maybe like it's one that I will I will just kind of put on idly like whenever I just see mm. it. like oh yeah and I'll just rewatch
1: the fifth element and
2: um, you know that's such a that's such a great movie god that movie is 22 years old also I am an old man
1: that's the, uh, yeah. yeah but no that is an amazing film and god I love those stewardesses on that fucking
2: <laughs> all right next week the fifth
1: element no <laughs> <laughs> yeah Although sometime down the road, probably.
2: Yeah, no, we'll definitely have to do some. I mean, I remember we did the Transporter, and you were, like, not on board with that, you know? But it's, you know, it is sort of that similar sort of Luc Besson aesthetic sensibility, although that one was only produced by Besson. It wasn't directed by him. Right. Um, But, like, you know,
1: anyway. I mean, I I love the professional. I mean, come on. Yeah. But the fun thing about this is the sort of sci-fi trappings that he goes for are they're, they're kind of interesting. Like he, he does go for some deeper stuff here than he usually does in his films. And also this feels unlike some of his other films, this feels more like a Hong Kong crime film to a certain degree, just yeah. because there's like so many ethnic people in the cast, I guess.
2: <laughs> well, you know, and there's, there's I mean, you know, Luke Bassano, is someone who's made like a film every year for the last like 30 years or something, you know, mm-hmm. like he's, he's, you know, he, he makes a lot of stuff and a lot of, you know, kind of like quick, this, You know, he made, like, Wasabi, which is that same kind of, like, you know, Luke Besson kind of being a badass, like, with a mm-hmm. young woman kind of, you know, action comedy stuff, and, you know, I'm just, I don't know, like, there's a lot of there's a lot of just kind of silliness to what he does, but there's a lot of like really fun stuff in there as well. And and I think some of the better five-minute sequences that have been in any film of any of recent decades are in Luke Basson films. Unfortunately, usually surrounded by far inferior film. But you know,
1: <laughs> yeah. Although now now I'm
2: thinking now I'm thinking of a of a uh, side project we can do the Scarlett Johansson cast every Scarlett Johansson film in order. But you know,
1: uh... ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well that that would uh that would that would cross pollinate with our, our Marvel uh, Yeah, no it yeah. would, it
2: would. No, we do it we do it alongside the Pune cast. We do an Albert Pune <laughs> film, every Albert Pune film in order, alongside every Scarlett Johansson film in order. Like, you know. <laughs> Let's let's get more esoteric with this. Let's see if we can yeah. reduce our audience on this podcast. Yeah, that's let's see right.
1: how. Let's see if we can get down like three people listening to us, yeah. and, and two of them will be you and me. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, gonna be you, me, and Jeff
2: Williams. That's it. That's uh, <laughs> the,
1: probably be it. Yeah. yeah. So we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, we're gonna play some music and some podcast promos. Couldn't really source any music from this film because it's all basically production music, and I'll get more into that. When we talk about it. So, I found some really nice cowboy songs to throw into this episode. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. Cowboy songs always good. Yeah. So, we'll be right back with Posse from Hell. Mm, great coffee. Mmm. Hey. Hmm? Who's that strange, somber man on the cover of that book you're reading? Oh, that's H.P. Lovecraft. Oh, I've heard of him, but I never really got into his stuff. It's kind of strange and hard to read. I used to think that, too. But that all changed when I started listening to the H.P. Lovecraft Literary Podcast. What's that? The H.P. Lovecraft
2: Literary Podcast is a weekly podcast. Tell me more. These two really smart and hilarious guys give a synopsis of the story, then they talk about its background, the critical views, and what it says about the author.
1: Well, where can I listen?
2: Let me tell you, Chris. You can go to hppodcraft.com or, heck, just subscribe through
1: iTunes. It's that easy. Oh, Chad, I'm so excited! Now I can listen to this podcast and pretend to all my snooty friends that I actually read and understand H.P. Lovecraft. Hey, that's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh dear.
0: <laughs> H.P.Podcraft.com. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? An obscure body in the SK system, Your Majesty. The inhabitants refer to it as the planet Earth. How peaceful it looks. (laughs) Most effective, Your Majesty. We'll destroy this Earth. Destroy it utterly.
1: Send Send. Rick and Bammy in Wool Rocket Ajax.
2: So, just destroy it? That's what Ming said. Don't you ever listen? Well, there's no arguing with Ming. Hell, Ming. Ming. Wait! You see those transmissions on the Visua screen? Crow? Nightmare on Elm Street? Should too?
0: Black Belt Jones? Nightbreed? What's a critter? Oh, I've seen those things. Flash? I guess we could wait a while before the destruction. Yeah, and watch some movies.
1: And talk about them. The Ming pala Disobedience to Ming. For now.
0: You can find us at Legion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook. iTunes. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. At www. You know what? Just Google it for yourself.
1: Just Google it, you bastidges. Hail Ming. Breaking
2: Two? Electric Boogaloo? Samurai Cop? Army of Darkness? Flash Dance? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> we might destroy the planet if it's Flash They call me a drifter, they say I'm no good, I'll never amount to a thing. Well, I may be a drifter and it may be no good, there's joy in this song that I sing. Saddle Trap, Saddle Trap, I'm as free as the breeze and I ride where I please, Saddle Trap, Saddle Trap. At night I will rest beneath a blanket of blue, doubt if I ever would change. I might even dream of a lady I knew, might even whisper her name. Saddle Trap, Saddle Trap, I'm as free as the breeze and I ride where I please. Saddle Trap. In Idaho and visit a cute little miss a sweet little someone I used to know
1: and I might even stop
0: long enough for a kiss saddle trap saddle trap I'm as free as the breeze and I ride where I please saddle trap saddle trap might even ride back through Phoenix someday Might even stop for a while, but branded no never, I'll not be tied down, trapped by a fair lady's smile, saddle tramp, saddle tramp, I'm as free as the breeze, and I ride where I please. saddle tramp.
1: All right. Posse from Hell from 1961. Directed by Herbert Coleman. And he is a incredibly prolific assistant director and associate producer with Alfred Hitchcock. Uh, he did a multitude of films of Hitchcock. Uh, actually, most of his fucking 50s and 60s and 70s output. Trouble with Harry, Man Who Knew Too Much, Wrong Man, Vertigo, North by Northwest, Topaz. And then he has a... <laughs> associate producer credit on the borrower of all things in the eighties. I think that was just like his last one, which is a horror movie, but an alien that comes to earth and basically chops people's heads off and takes their identities by attaching their heads to them, which very is very
2: standard plot.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but as far as his directing credits goes, this is only one of two. As far as movies goes, I think he has a couple TV Uh, credits as a head director but this and battle at bloody beach from also 1961 i believe are his only sort of uh main director credits written by claire (laughs) I would
2: think that's a bikini beach movie but probably not
1: (laughs) probably no it's a war film yeah the writer is claire huffaker and she did a shit ton of these basically like a ton of westerns sort of standard uh westerns from about i think she started in the fifties and went right into the six sixties and seventies with a bunch of her credits too. So she did everything from like the tail end of the sort of standard Hollywood Western right into the sort of new age sort of Westerns in the seventies and stuff. So, uh,
2: and, and this is kind of like uh, right in that middle ground of yes between those you know in a lot of ways yeah
1: really is uh, starring Audie Murphy who's done a million of these films and mm-hmm. uh, legit war hero by the way as well apparently I think this is
2: my first Audie Murphy film ironic I mean you know just uh, you know
1: I, I think it is for me too like I, I was looking into him I was like I don't think I've seen him in anything else that I've watched I want to see more stuff because it's just his whole background is interesting yep. this guy was. A legit crazy war hero who apparently did some pretty nuts shit in in World War II. And I guess he scared a lot of people he worked with when he got into <laughs> movies because apparently he slept with a gun and he had like a really short temper and probably suffered from post traumatic stress kind of thing from sure. World War yeah. II. So, Audie Murphy as Banner Cole, John Saxon as Seymour Kern, uh, Zora Lampert as Helen Caldwell, Vic Morrow as Crip, Robert Keith as Jeremiah Brown, Roldufo Acosta as Johnny Cato, Royal Dano as Uncle Billy Caldwell, Frank Overton as Bert Hogan, James Bell as Mr. Brown, Paul Carr as Jock Wiley, Ward Ramsey as Marshall, Isaac Webb, and Lee Van Cleef as Leo. And I'll go into the little synopsis here from IMDB that I pulled. Banner Cole is a tough sheriff's deputy who forms a small posse to go after four death cell escapees who killed the sheriff along with three other men and kidnapped a woman with rape in mind. That's the first 20 minutes of the film. <laughs> <Right there.
2: laughs> I sometimes think that these guys writing the IMDb summaries stop at 20 minutes. Just like, yeah, hey, that movie's done." You know,
1: yeah. yeah but but thank you uh director gene is the imdb handle there but uh (laughs) and and now i'm thinking of uh, bob's burgers i don't know if you watched that show but (laughs) no i don't get it okay that's fair (laughs) that's all right um but yeah one person
2: is both watching both listening to this podcast and knows who gene from bob's burgers is and that guy that person is laughing
1: but hey, I I, I I love that the end joke goes somewhere. It's it's yeah. fine. Uh, so first time we've both watched this film, and yeah. uh, I'll immediately throw to you, Daniel, what's your general impressions of this one?
2: At first, I thought this was kind of generic. I, I, I watched it this afternoon this evening, actually. And then um, when I finished it, I just sort of put it back on, like watched the first 30 minutes of it again. And then we were, we were we had to record, so it was kind of like one of those situations. I quite like this. I don't think it's on my, you know, kind of top of the year list, um, mm-hmm. but it is a really effective Western. I kind of said earlier that it's sort of like exists in this kind of middle ground between this sort of very traditional uh, Western story and being something that's a little bit more interesting, kind of more of the revisionist Western. Here, I think stylistically, I mean, it definitely feels, I mean, it's made in 61, but it feels even more old-fashioned than that. I mean, it, it's practically, you know, it's it steals big portions of its plot from, you know, like High Noon and, you know, right. like greetin' to Yuma and that kind of stuff, you know. But it's also sort of about, you know, sort of questioning some of those values, not necessarily in the, quite as far as like paw or Morricone, I'm sorry, not Morricone, um, Leone yeah, I mean, would we go, yeah. you know, in, in a few years, not, not quite to the degree that like the spaghetti westerns, which, you know, were not made with that sense of like American western, uh, you know, <laughs> worship or whatever uh, would go but um yeah i mean it really is kind of asking the question of you know what is it what does it mean to kind of be a good man what does it mean to be you know kind of heroic and and who is good i mean it, it is sort of it is sort of like exploring some of those questions and i and i find like again, getting to the end of the film it's it's remarkably effective whereas at the beginning it feels kind of like oh it's generic there are bad guys to show up they do bad things and then you get some heroes kind of going out to get them. And then it's going to end up being like one guy who has to kind of take care of it all. But the, the kind of the lesson that he learns, um, which is, you know, kind of, yeah, ordinary people matter more than, you know, quote unquote heroes or, you know, whatever, you mm-hmm. know, that, that I think is really effective and, and um, kind of, it also kind of presages some of the civil rights movement stuff. I mean, you know, that's kind of where this thing is going at, it does have a little bit to say about you know kind of like social justice issues. I don't know. It's it's uh, a <laughs> it's hard to recommend this film directly. You know, it's hard to say like yeah, this film is, is great. But I think if you find yourself watching it, I think you'll find some things to to really kind of latch onto and enjoy about it. So
1: I totally recommend this film. Um, I liked it a lot. Like you, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say it's an all time great western. But yeah, it, it does start off with its foot firmly planted in sort of like the paint by numbers, sort of, uh, forties Western kind of thing. You I know, mean, like- it, it feels very high noon at first. Yeah. Like it, it,
2: it, you know, it, it's deliberately aping high noon and, not the version of High Noon that you and I have decided <laughs> is canon. You know, by the
1: no, way, this is, this is the one where the townspeople are actually crap. Like, yeah, like, yeah. No, well, the, they... we're all that. Where all the big, like,
2: heroic guys who would normally be the heroes in these films are actually crap, and then it turns out that these sort of ordinary people show disguised courage. Like, they show courage mm-hmm. despite having like no reason for us to think that. And that's very realistic. In my mind, these days, you know, it's losers and weirdos who end
1: up actually doing amazing things to change the world. <laughs> you know, it's just the people that nobody ever gives a fucking damn about that actually, you know, show up and, and fucking fight. And and I think that's a great thing about this film. It is, you know, it has more of an edge, like, as it goes along. Again, the first 20 minutes or so, you get out of that. And it's like it's got an edge that you didn't maybe expect because of the formula that it mm-hmm. initially seems to be following. And then... It starts to echo what Peck and Pa would eventually do with his films. It very much gets into that it starts to touch on that. I found this really entertaining i There wasn't a part of this that was slow for me. I liked it. I liked that <laughs> This is just me. There's no way that this was an intentional thing in the film, but Uh, It it felt like there was this attraction between Audie Murphy and and John Saxon where... I would not put it past. That's incredibly possible that someone on the production team was... Hey, maybe. Man, there's camaraderie. uh,
2: Camaraderie.
1: Camaraderie. Thank you. Between Lee's got IPA. Two, Lee's got IPA at him. And, and you know, they, I've they, also, they, they I've, only
2: brought IPA to
1: Canada like six months ago. So it's fine. Yeah. I've also got, I don't talk to human beings in real yeah. life all that much. So I can't say words, but yeah, between these two, they spark a instant bond and friendship. That is pretty fucking great in this film. Like I really like, I enjoy it. I like that. So like Audie Murphy, he is kind of a stiff actor. Like, but the only times he smiles is when he sees John Saxon like fucking man up and do stuff. Yeah, and it's pretty fun in this film. I, I like I like how he warms up to Saxon because he he just gets that Saxon is genuinely a guy who wants to do right and wants to actually be a part of this and do something with his life and like kind of he discovers himself along the way. So. <laughs> he kind of becomes a class trader in a way, you know? Like there no, is he, there, he totally, you know? he totally does because before this, he's the New York tenderfoot banker who, who mm-hmm. comes into town to uh, settle some accounts or whatever the fuck. And he gets basically guilted into becoming part of this posse because the banker says, well, shit, you're basically a pussy, aren't you? If you don't want to go on this posse. And, and... I mean,
2: the bank, his boss essentially forces him to do this. You yeah. Know, let's let's be clear. You know, there's there's an economic motive here.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, totally. But at the same time, it's like, what are you, a coward? And and John Saxon kind of like, you know, looks at him like, fuck. Um, well, I, I might as well go on this posse because listening to you complain about how much of a pussy I am is going to be unbearable. And like he... Takes and in a an lesser
2: movie, this character would kind of be the piece of shit that you, you know, want to see, you know, get his comeuppance. But in this film, not so no. much.
1: No, and the posse starts out like maybe like what ten people strong or something like that, and well,
2: more than that, probably like closer to twenty. Kind of have like, oh yeah, we'll join the posse, no problem, mm-hmm. you know. And, and, and most kind of, of them are the pieces of shit. Going to be in charge. And you know nobody really trusts him. And they're like, oh, if it's not ten to one, then you know we're not, you know, we're not, yeah, to make this happen. You know, Audie Murphy would rather go, kind of go in with the the team who actually wants to go in rather than you know the more experienced team. If he's got to kiss their asses and pretend like they're 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 good people, you know, well,
1: well, Audie Murphy wanted to go in alone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Audie was
2: like, no, I'll go by myself. Fuck that shit. Which yeah. you know, uh, not the best idea. No, Murphy, you know, <laughs> you know. Um, and so, I mean, he, he learns and changes as well. You I know, mean, he learns to kind of uh, trust he people. Lear- yeah, he way. learns to
1: depend on people because, like, his sort of backstory is, like, he's this jaded gunfighter who doesn't like people. And he's friends with the sheriff in town, but the sheriff gets killed. And before the sheriff dies, the sheriff's like, I'm going to make you a deputy. And come on, like, you know do the right thing and, and go and de- get these guys. And so basically he sort of does that as a sort of a respect thing. Yeah. And, and along the way he learns, you know, okay, not everybody's shit. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's some good people out there. It you turns know? out
2: There are some decent human beings. And again, they're mostly the weirdos and outsiders because uh-huh. that's just how life is.
1: Yeah. Like the two people he ends up trusting is John Saxon's character and the uh, Indian.
2: Um, yeah. The Native American. Uh, yeah, new uh Rudolf Acosta, Johnny Caddo, uh, Rudolf Acosta is
1: Yeah, yeah Johnny Caddo, yeah. So like he they do track down with the most of the initial posse, like they do track down a couple of the people in the gang and 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 take them down, but for the most part all these people are in it for themselves. Uh, they're either guilted into being part of the posse, or they're in it for their own self-aggrandization. You know, like there, they're, there's that military guy who's just a fucking prick. Like, yeah, right.
2: Well, and you think, like, I mean, that guy with his age, and the, the film was set in 1880, so you know we're 25 years past the. Our, Pardon me. Fifteen years past the Civil War, right? So this guy was like, you know, if he served in the Civil War, he was basically like man on the desk or whatever. You yeah. Know? Was, you know, you know, maybe he served. I mean, you know, look at his age. I mean, you know, maybe he was in the Mexican-American War. Or, you know, he was like in the cavalry, like mastering Native Americans or something. But you know, yeah, This no, guy I... pretends like this guy pretends like, oh, I'm a general. Like, I just need to get higher ground and like man, like move the pieces around. It's like. Dude, you shot at like innocent people because you did, you were uh, clearly terrified and just decided to shoot first and ask questions mm-hmm. later. Another thing that just clarifies it probably his big role in the military was uh, masquerading Native Americans. So you
1: know. yeah, no, he really feels like one of those fucking pricks who killed a bunch of helpless people. That feels very much on point what this guy is. Which, um, I mean,
2: it's it's ironic that this I – or mean, not ironic. I mean, it's just kind of weird that this film – it feels kind of like post-Vietnam. You know, this is yeah. guy who would have, like, you know, mass- massacred people at My Lai or whatever. But, uh, I mean, this is before that. I mean, you yeah. know, maybe, you know, there's – I don't know. It's kind of complicated when you look at these things. Like, you know, what was really on their mind? Were they, were they kind of referencing current events? Or, you know, was there – What's there some like kind of memory of World War II or Korea that's, that's kind of going on? But, you know,
1: it's a, it's really it's really hit of its time. Like you kind of think like there's some foresight here. Like we want to talk about some issues, actually. Like we're, we're, we're taking like the sort of standard uh, Western formula and we're injecting some actual depth to it uh, outside of Roy Rogers killing guys in black you know mm.
2: which is which is very much what westerns are doing at this time I mean we've done like a Bad Day at Black Rock uh-huh. which is um, a much more prominent kind of example of the same right. kind of phenomenon of, of kind of inserting more modern ideas into a you know in, into a, a kind of pretty classic western structure I mean um, uh-huh. Bad Day at Black Rock is kind of like We've done that one already, but it's like half noir, half western, whatever. Yeah. um, You know, the idea of sort of like complicating the western definitely was not born with uh, with the spaghetti westerns. It wasn't born with like Clint Eastwood.
1: (laughs) Yeah. No. Um, I mean,
2: and I I think there is this kind of misconception that all westerns were just these kind of like you know really kind of boring, generic you know shoot 'em ups until Clint Eastwood you know walked on the screen, and and it's uh, just not true.
1: No, that's that's typically our
2: audience knows that already. I'm, I'm kind of insulting them. <laughs> I have, I have, I have yeah. contempt for the audience. It's fine.
1: You know. <laughs> I I I'd assume most people listening to this know better than that. I mean, Bad Day at Black Rock, High Noon, Three Ten to Yuma. We've done oh, a bunch those, of westerns. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, no. that's, those are standouts. That's where revisionist westerns get their start. You know, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. and you you just see that sort of bleeding into these productions, and it's it's really cool. Like, it I was pleasantly surprised to see that stuff sort of leak in here and. Uh, so, I mean,
2: I think I was maybe lulled in just by the style of it, that it uh, it does feel very, very kind of generic, you know, to, to kind of sit down and and watch. And even though I should have, I should have kind of been a little bit more with it in terms of, you know, kind of under, you know, like look past the surface, it's just the surface felt like kind of that, that feeling. And I mean, that's why I kind of went back and rewatched parts of it. I was like, I, I probably didn't give this quite the fair shake on the, on the first kind of like, you know, watch through, you know, and, um, you know. Anyway, just yeah. kind of just kind of clarifying for for the audience that um you know
1: right so uh the female character in this the prominent one is Helen yeah. and the she is raped uh, she's raped multiple times in this film although you don't see it on screen right uh, so so because it's
2: 1961
1: <laughs> yeah but it treats the subject of rape fairly respectively you know.
2: For for nineteen sixty one, this is outright
1: radical treatment yeah. of,
2: of this this material.
1: It's both very re, you know respectable and at the same time very deep for this type of film in this genre.
2: <laughs> I mean, it's almost like get a female writer and suddenly like
1: things just yeah get better. <laughs> really crazy, eh? <laughs> but I mean, I was pretty impressed with how they treated this i mean we,
2: it's not like there could be no rape in a film like this like it's not like they're, yeah. just, they're just you know i mean clearly that's nonsense there's got to <laughs> be a rape
1: you yeah know. yeah i mean you have to have at least two to make the film a yeah. fucking oscar-worthy candidate yeah, yeah. um I mean,
2: there's there's got to be a snake right nearby too you know for, your, for your <laughs> imagery, you yeah. Know.
1: Well, if you throw your coat on the fucking thing, John Saxon's not going to have a coat that's worth a damn anymore. Like he, yeah, he well, can't, yeah. he can't, he can't wear this coat anymore. What the fuck? Got to um, be,
2: got to be a guy stomping on a stomping on a snake. That's clearly, clearly not a phallic uh, metaphor. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> There, the,
1: there is so much gay subtext between John Saxon and Audie Murphy in this film that I think it's some people, it's yeah, some glorious. people might have intended. I don't know if they did or not, but it. Feels I like mean, they did. he
2: he he puts salve on you know he puts salve on the guy's ass like I mean you know well I mean let's he... not let's, let's 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 at a certain point <laughs> at a certain point so, this is no <laughs> longer like John Saxon subtext you know? John <laughs>
1: Saxon is the tenderfoot in this film yeah and so so uh, he's, he's, has got, some he's got he's got He's got yeah, some chafing. Yeah. He he just he needs somebody to to, you know, <laughs> take care of his
2: issues with his so, ass.
1: Yeah, so Audie and, Murphy's uh, like drop trow. Right. <laughs> drop drop trow, uh clinch onto this rock formation yeah. really mm-hmm. hard and I'm going to put this on your ass. <laughs> yeah.
2: And I have, I mean, I think this is glorious. I mean, like, this is, this is, this is, there's no sense of, like, homophobia going on in this podcast right now. No, no, this is I This mean, is, this is pretty amazing stuff. It's, it is. But it, th- there's no, like, yeah. I mean, you're like, oh, yeah, like, maybe there's, no, no, there's no subtext here. This is, <laughs> there, there's some,
1: you know. Because, you know, Audie Murphy doesn't, like, give any women in this film, like, second glance. So,
2: yeah. I mean, just, just, uh, just ask yourself just
1: ask <laughs> yourself here
2: you know yeah would gary cooper have like salved another man's ass no
1: no you wouldn't have yeah <laughs> There, there's there's some real fucking bromance going on here yeah, at the very least definitely, yeah. Definitely, yeah yeah fuck man the way they treat the sort of rape thing in this is Pretty fucking progressive for 1961. Yep. I was really impressed with that. They even well, then, they treat like, her as a character. Like she comes back. Yeah. Like she, at first she's just a victim,
2: but then like she comes back and gets to have a dialogue about her the experience, and then she gets to kind of be a hero for a while. I mean, she gets her her moment of of badassery. She gets to kill one of people, her rapists. You know? yeah. 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 Yeah.
1: And like she knows the best thing about this is like she she's she knows. How the town's going to react to her when she comes back because mm-hmm. she she immediately knows she's damaged goods in their eyes, but you know Audrey Murphy's character's like as far as I'm concerned, you've hardly been touched like fuck these people as far as I'm concerned, you're still you, you know like right yeah no. and I mean is, there
2: is there is a kind of implied like romance you know you say like he doesn't look at a woman, i mean you know there's a yes, yeah, kind, kind of implied i mean you know there's a, there's, a, there's a he's bisexual, it's fine.
1: Like uh, you know, it's even more that works too. You know? Yeah, bisexual or platonic, whatever it, it doesn't yeah, matter. Whatever, it,
2: whatever happens, fine. it's fine. Yeah, there's no. But more, yeah, I, more I, more I, you know, sausages and clams. You know,
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, at, at the end of the day, they're all genitals. Yeah.
2: At the yeah. at the end of the day, it's it's more fun for everybody.
1: It it really is. Like, just have fun with genitals, people. Yeah, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I like that this film goes as far as to show, like, uh, bloody wounds. Uh, Lee Van Cleef uh, has a thankless part in this. And you can see why Lee Van Cleef retired from acting soon after. And, you know, it wasn't until he got recruited to do spaghetti westerns that his career Came yeah. back, but he's just third guy from the left in this fucking. Yeah, film. I mean,
2: I saw him. I saw him at the beginning, and I'm oh, Lee Van, Lee Van Cleef is in this. And it's like, yeah, Lee Lee Van Cleef really is in this. You
1: know? Yeah, no, he he has one scene where he's you can't leave me to die, and then John Sachs and Naughty Murphy are like, yeah, we can leave you to die. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're you? ra- You're a rapist and a murderer. We can probably leave you to die, kind of. Yeah, uh, but I do like how. Um, uh, the Indian, uh, guy, uh, again, what's his name? Fucking, uh, uh, Johnny Cato, Jan- Johnny, Johnny Cato. He gets caught in a trap set by the, uh, by the bad guys. He has like legit shotgun wounds on his chest where a bunch of pellets have gone into him. And you see the blood starts to expand a little bit on his chest. Pretty fucking hardcore for 1961. Yeah, like definitely. He- you really don't see this shit in, in films. That, that,
2: would, that would have made the 1961 Fangoria had Fangoria. <laughs> yeah, really,
1: yeah. I like also that whiskey cures all. Uh, John and Naughty Murphy, they get a hold of one of the bad guys' fucking uh, water bottles, and they think they're drinking water, and they immediately get into some fire water. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, shit, after drinking this, I can fucking carry my horse to the fucking uh, bad guys and, and, and shoot it out with them. <laughs> I Whiskey like cures
2: all in this movie and in in real life, you yeah. know
1: yeah, pretty much also uh i I think one big thing to mention here um although uh Vic Morrow tries his best to be like a really sinister bad guy. Uh, and he does a really good job at it. The movie, and it's not surprising to me, considering who the director is and his collaborations with Alfred Hitchcock for about two decades or whatever the fuck it was. The bad guys are basically MacGuffins in this film.
2: They're just yeah, no. The, the, I mean, I was I was kind of expecting like Posse from Hell to be a reference to the like the bad guys to you know like <sighs> and, look and at how nasty it's like they the... are, and, yeah. and, and instead it's like. The, the the group of ne'er-do-wells we've got to get together in order to uh, yeah. you know like make things happen, but they're like great people also involved in this. You know, it's it's uh, you know, I I also you know like in terms of it's kind of the, the role for women. I'd be a kind of amazed if Tarantino didn't see this because it does feel like kind of inspirational too. Kind of what he ends up doing with Inglorious Bastards and yeah, uh, you know yeah. a little bit of like Jackie Brown like that kind of stuff of uh, you know, um, but not not unique to that. I just uh, you know. <laughs> it's it's, it's Quentin def- Tarantino saw a western from the 60s yeah that's that's a pretty good bet regardless of the title
1: at, at, um, yeah at, at the very least this informed something he saw yeah, yeah definitely definitely yeah yeah i i feel like this film even though it's it's probably not very well known like Again, thank you, Jeff Williams. Because yeah, it's not probably...
2: streaming on Amazon. It's like there's some rights issue where they don't have. Click on it, and it's like, oh yeah, it's on Amazon Prime. And then you click on it, and it's like, oh, we don't currently have the rights to show oh. this. Which is normally a there's some complicated uh, deal going on between some multinational corporation that owns all the rights, the whatever streaming rights say, gada yada or whatever. But you know
1: that sucks and it makes no sense because this is like totally nebulous, really, as far as like, a, why are you holding on to this? this like who gives it's a just, shit
2: it, it's part of it's part of some giant film library of which like three of them would make money if they released them in some kind of form
1: but yeah you know,
2: it's it's ultimately we're all just kind of like um you know held hostage to copyright laws at this point and uh it's all fucking bullshit but it's on daily motion not that that's how i saw it i i saw this in a perfectly legal way. You
1: but. Yeah, no. DVD info for this, there's no Region 1 DVD out there. Um, mm. It's it's There's a German Blu-ray.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So, you know, if you have a Blu-ray player, you can definitely jump onto that. I don't know if it has English subtitles or not. Uh, or English language and German subtitles. I don't know how the fuck it it, it goes. Um, there's a couple of PAL DVD releases on this. Uh, you know, so like Region 2, whatever the fuck. Um... But yeah, Daily Motion, there's like a couple versions of this on Daily Motion. One of them is slightly better than the other. <laughs> not that much better. But it it's it's good enough to see the film and enjoy yeah. it. It, it. Like it looks good. This is a well-shot film. Like there's no surprise the director fucking worked under Alfred Hitchcock and learned his shit and knows what he's doing here. It's
2: technically competent but not, mm-hmm. you know, there, there's nothing in it that just kind of makes you think, "Oh, what an amazing shot, but like it, it works. It does, it does what it needs to do.
1: Mm. Budget was $500,000. Uh, I could not find a box office for this. I assume it probably made some money. Um, I mean, it's, it's a good film. Um,
2: I mean, it played in theaters. It did the thing that it did it, you know, it, it, mm-hmm. you know in, in nineteen in the early sixties. I mean, it was, it was kind of, you know, they weren't like tracking individual box officers, you know, it was just sort of, you know, it, yeah it was a programmer. I mean basically what you did if you were a studio in these days, you just sort of like produced a bunch of movies for for little money that you could just kind of like run through theaters and uh you know, overall you'd make your money back and then you'd have a couple like really big hits and that was what you were like aiming for. And this is this is just, you know, it, it's it's your you know, it's your six PM on a Tuesday time slot on CBS. That's yeah. what this is, you know, in terms I, of I,
1: I would assume it made a profit, just because the second movie he did was, you know, after this, so he got another movie to do. So, a little, just two pieces of trivia for this. So, uh, Universal's music director uh, Joseph Gershenson. Uh, reused music scores from This Island Earth from 1955, <laughs> and it came from Outer Space 1953, and this picture's music score, much to the chagrin of the original and credited composers Hans J. Salter, Hermanstein, Stein, Henry Mancini, and Irving Geertz. By 1961, they were all out of their old 1950s Universal Studios contracts and only heard about this when they got notices in the mail from the Musician's Union. They would have appreciated checks in the mail even more, but there were none since their old contracts considered all their studio work as works for hire, and this precluded them from getting any further royalties from their work. Universal continued this practice until a lawsuit from Musicians' Union stopped it in 1966. So, fuck you, people who make scores. We're gonna, just going to use your music over and over again, basically.
2: A person making music gets screwed over by a, not, by a record company and yeah. or movie studio? I'm perish the shock. fuck.
1: Yeah, perish I'm, the fuck. I'm shocked. <laughs> <laughs> Actor Alan hold, on, hold on, hold on,
2: let me Let me rephrase. A person who works for a living is like fucked over by someone who owns capital. Oh my God. This never happens.
1: Fucking crazy. Fucking yeah. crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No. Um, actor Alan Lane later became the voice of Mr. Ed, the horse in the sitcom, Mr. Ed. And this was oh. his last uh, starring role in a feature film. Apparently. who so. so does he
2: play in the, uh, Oh, the, uh, brother. the brother Burl, Alan Lane.
1: Yeah. So, yeah
2: if 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 only he if only there was a library
1: if only there was a character named Wilbur in the film that would be, <laughs> uh, all right, so Daniel tell people where they can find you on the interwebs uh you
2: you should never really never find me on the internet. it's probably not the best idea for 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 anyone really um but if you do want to find me, I'm on twitter at daniel e harper um I mostly don't tweet about movies these days. I sometimes, I do sometimes, occasionally tweet mm. about movies and stuff. Um, I mostly tweet about like a really, really terrible people, which you can um, hear me talk about on my kind of other major podcast. I don't speak German, which is all about the uh, basically uh, genocidal racists. we'll just we'll just put it that way: genocidal racists. And uh, my uh, research project of uh, looking into the things that they say to each other. When they think no one like me is listening, so um, <laughs> you know, there you go. Check it out; it's pretty good, actually. People like
1: it. It uh, it actually is pretty good. If you're if you're interested in learning about the most horrible people in your society, you should listen to Daniel talk about them.
2: Yeah, and you can find <laughs> oh, us- way to way to way to sell that really hard. There, you know <laughs> what I what I love what I love is I get comments from people who are like, "Your podcast is amazing. I listen to it three minutes at a time." Like that's the you know very standard comment I get. You're talking
1: about yeah it sometimes people might want to break it up like they yeah yeah. a sandwich or something. I
2: I get it, I get it completely. There's no there's no complaint on my end. I understand, I appreciate people listening and retweeting and all the other things, but I I have gotten that message like a few times of thank you so much for doing this. I can barely listen to you talk about these people. (laughs) Yeah.
1: well, they they really are hard people to stomach. They really yeah, are. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't know anything
2: uh, about that. It's fine. I only I only follow like butterflies and rainbows. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and if you want to follow more butterflies and rainbows, get us at TMBdos. where you can find our Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and Facebook links. Join the Facebook link uh, group.
2: Join the Facebook link. Join yeah, jo- join the Facebook link.
1: Just just go on Facebook and find us. You stupid. Here is the suckers. thing.
2: They must be destroyed on site. Podcast, we're there. Occasionally, I check in. I don't. I'm not on Facebook anymore. I'll look at it sometimes.
1: Yeah, there's nothing but butterflies and rainbows on our Facebook site. So there's
2: there there and also Jeff Williams recommending things, which is also nice. But you
1: know, yeah, he's recommending things full of rape and man's asses being oiled up and uh... yeah, which you know
2: i mean as long as as long as it's a, you know in a consensual non consent scene the 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 rape is fine you know but
1: it yeah. depends on what you really like, yeah. Yeah, yeah kind of thing yeah uh so uh <laughs> next time it's it's gonna be the fighting fist of Shanghai Joe that's gonna be the next western we cover uh thank you, Daniel. Thank you all for listening, and we're getting the fuck out of here before anyone oils our asses up
2: or or after like that's the you
1: know well let's uh, not talk about after let's you know that's private yeah cheers
0: i rode out of kansas city going south to mexico i was running dodging danger left the girl that i love so Far behind Lake Kansas City and the past that I had earned Twenty notches on my six-gun mark, the lessons I had learned Many times I sold my fast and for a place to lay my head Till the nights began to haunt me by the men that I left dead Couldn't stand it any longer with this life that I'd begun So I said goodbye to d and and became a running gun I rode into Amarillo as the sun sank in the west My thoughts in Kansas City and the girl that I love best As I smiled and kissed her gently and then turned away to go Said I'd send for her to meet me when I'd reached old Mexico I had barely left the saddle and my foot just touched the ground When her cold voice from the shadows told me not to turn around Said he knew about my fast gun, knew the price paid by the law Challenged by a bounty hunter, so I turned around to draw I knew someday I'd meet him for his hand like lightning flashed My own gun stood in leather as his bullet tore its path As my strength was slowly fading, I could see him walk away And I knew that where I lie tonight, he too must lie someday now the crowd is slowly gathering, but my eyes are growing dim And my thoughts return to Jeannie and the home that we had planned Oh, please tell her, won't you Mister, that she's still the only one But a woman's love is wasted when she loves a runnin' gun Runnin' gun Runnin' go. Run and go. Run and go.
1: You have been listening to They Must Be Destroyed on Site. For other episodes, our links to Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and our Facebook group, as well as links to podcasts and websites of similar interest, please visit us at tmbdos.podbean.com. Thank you. Drive through.